concise cinematic universe. Yeah, I, I think, think Star Wars would have been better off for having. I that think that's movie. the best compliment you can give Kevin Feige is that he knows what needs to be done to make a successful movie, but he also knows wants to step back and say, "Do your thing." But he knows what needs to be done to make a successful broad spectrum story. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they, they had an element of that with Kathleen Kennedy, but she wasn't as hands on with it. No, she oversaw everything felt... and she signed off and everything, but she didn't give that same outline. Yeah, you need someone like Filoni or someone along those lines. Too. I felt like leading up to Last Jedi, there was a very concise sort of story idea in place as to what they wanted to do. I feel like it really just kind of fell apart after Last Jedi. The stories in almost all mediums started really kind of branching out into kind of some weird territory. Like, I don't know if you guys have read any of the Marvel comics in the last few months. They've gotten a little... They've gotten a little out there. Like, way more than Dark Horse was doing in the depths of the expanded universe days. Hmm. So, I think in 20 years, it might be kind of hard to tie all this canon back together and make it look like a concise story like they originally intended. That's actually a really good point, because like, while you were talking, I was thinking, like, okay, yeah, 7 and 8 really did feel connected. A lot of people say that the 8 didn't match the tone and stuff, but all the elements that were there of Luke being away and everything yeah. like that, that was all in 7, and then Ryan Dawson took that. 9, I think, kind of breaks from that. I think you just helped me put my finger on a pulse there. Like That's one of the things that kind of gets to me with this movie, is that it just feels like it whoop, swerved. Yeah. Like, went snap back a different direction. Yeah, it felt like... Mm-hmm. Um, i give you that. I don't even want to say it felt like a course correction. It felt like an overcorrection in some cases. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it later in the episode, but there's there's certain beats in Where You Go. That's that's definitely a course correction from what came previously. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, integrating the story that came before. I feel like there was a lot of retconning that went on. Yeah, like the one comment that keeps popping up whenever I dare to like dip a toe in an internet comment section it's like oh this whole trilogy was just connected and everything like that no like like again seven and eight were very connected yes and nine in a lot of ways is connected but then goes on veers off with the whole palpatine thing like that just kind of yeah there's no you can't tell me that there's any organic build up to palpatine in the first two movies you have to admit too though that when the last jedi was like between last jedi and rise of skywalker they had to change their whole game plan yeah, they did. You know, because Carrie Fisher died, and she was going to be, you know, everybody knows now, was going to be a far more integral part of this film, you know. So Very true. not only were they left with things that they, whether or not they should have course corrected, they were also left with having to completely re-envision the story. One so. compliment I have to give to J.J. Abrams is his reverence for that character. Based on what he had to work with in episode nine, I think he did a fantastic job with Carrie Fisher's character. That's one of those death scenes that will go down with me for a long time. I was thinking of K2SO when Princess died. Chewie's reaction was, I think, very evocative of the audience's reaction to that. Yeah, for sure. Chewie's reaction was, that was It was perfect. Amazing. Yeah. It was perfect. Kind of rolling on the ground and... Everything he went through in this trilogy alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a great... Maybe his best... Like, the best uh, Chewie we've seen in any film. You know what I mean? Yeah. In terms you know of I mean? his emotion and yeah. what he brought. Yeah. Like, when they went back for him and he says something, he's, yeah, we came back. For, of course we came back for you. You know what I mean? And Ray's horror when she thinks she killed him. Yeah. And everyone's horror when she yeah, thinks she I killed him. Yeah, I think that was a... I thought it was... That dumb. was a genuine moment where I was like, oh my God, are they really going that direction? 
Yeah. All I could think of was the moon falling on yeah. in Legends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, R.A. Salvatore is back. <laughs> it's like, oh, they killed Chewie again? Speaking about Legends, me and Brendan had a talk about this, and I think one of the reasons that I gravitated to this storyline so heavily was because I love the original. My favorite Expanded Universe piece is the second piece from the Expanded Universe, which was Dark Empire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And there's a lot of borrowed content. It influences heavily. A yeah. ton of borrowed content, like with the, re- the Resurrected Empire. The Giant Emperor. Fleet. That was Enter the Empire. Or sorry, that was no. Dark that Emperor. was, was, was that, that was Dark Empire. Empire. Yeah, the the secret fleet abyss. Makes yeah. me wonder when JJ read the. <clears> I think that's. The, <laughs> I think that's the only thing that kind of drove me nuts. Was they're like, yeah, we're in the unknown regions, and there's this brand new planet. I'm like, God, you could have gone to abyss. You could have had the core. Yeah. But at the same time, I think I think they were a little afraid to dig too deeply into Dark Empire because they didn't want. I thought they dug. I, I thought they made. mined it for what they could well i mean looking at like someone like dave filoni i'm all for you know mining from the expanded universe and bringing them back in as long as it works for you know that particular story i think thrawn's a great example of that if you reintroduce the character properly it can work but i think dark empire had so many legends connotations attached to it that they were a little leery about getting being too on the nose with a direct adaptation of oh it. i never wanted them to do that i would have been disappointed if it was just an adaptation i think they pulled the things that were cool about it specifically the resurrected emperor yeah um the thing that i thought was as far as connecting the, the trilogies together one of the things i thought was really cool that made me look at the original trilogy totally differently was the fact that the emperor wanted ray to kill him so he could embody her i thought that was really neat because when he said only anger can complete this process when you strike me down in anger i can enter your body and then i can be resurrected in you and you can be the empress it makes that whole scene with vader luke and the emperor at the end of return of the jedi because he said the same thing to luke yeah you know yeah. strike me down very well if you remember when luke swung at the emperor with his lightsaber it wasn't the emperor who stopped him it was vader, vader. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like the emperor wanted him to do that so it almost makes me think that the emperor was kind of had a, had a win-win situation either vader will kill him and he'll continue to be my my underlord yeah. or luke will kill me and then i can embody luke that was you one of the strongest I mean? apprentice right? absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're looking at it from a, you know, continuity, in terms of the Emperor's continuity perspective, he wouldn't have wanted Vader. Vader was damaged goods since episode three. But, yeah, he looks at Luke and... Only your hatred can destroy me. It was the same thing he said to Rey. I loved that tie-in. My big issue is the fact that they had to wait till the last movie to even reintroduce the Emperor, let alone drop any hints. Like, this whole idea that this secret message was sent out before that very much should have been something that ended uh last jedi like mm-hmm. that would have been a great yep. cliffhanger to have the emperor send out this message right just when everybody that's thinks true i never won. thought about that that's just a when really good just idea. when kylo ren thinks he's oh i'm you know i'm supreme commander now i'm everything's great i've wiped out the resistance and then all of a sudden you get this message from the emperor and then like that yeah. would have been great. Actually, that kind of brings me to... Now, I haven't read too much de- too deeply into this stuff, just as a starter, but Colin Trevorrow's script has apparently been leaking out. Yeah, I've done some research on it myself. So. And uh, as I was glimpsing at it, because I, like, I don't want to look too closely at what isn't confirmed to be actual stuff, it makes me think, like, what would the big bad have been otherwise if it wasn't Palpatine, right? Like, like it's either going to be Kylo Ren versus Rey, which would have been one thing, or it would have been someone else coming in. And how do you do that? How do you start from scratch with somebody? Like, say, Pride. 
the, yeah. the one generally? How do you start from scratch with that? Yeah, I know. I mean, I kind of feel like we've had Kylo for two movies now, and we're, we know his motivations. I think given the proper script and the proper story, I think Adam Driver could have easily held that movie up as the main villain if, without any emperor, without any side villains or anything. I hate to say it, but I feel like the biggest letdown from the entire trilogy is that they didn't fully realize Kylo Ren as a as a character. He's going to go down as a great villain, but I really think if he had been given a little more development, he could have gone full Darth Vader status. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know more about his fall. I wanted to know more about his conflict between being the heir of the Solos and the Skywalkers and the level of expectation that he grew up with. It's kind of not surprising that he went the path he did. Yeah, it wasn't time in the trilogy to get into the But I feel like Abrams just spent the first two movies being like, ooh, Snoke's this big mysterious (laughs) thing, but I'm not going to explain it because I feel like the mystery is more important. It's like... No, I kind of feel like the explanation's a little more important. But Abrams only had his hands on Snoke for the first film. Exactly, and that's why I think Disney should have had the courage to give to just give Abrams the entire trilogy. I think he would have had a much more consistent story. Did he overall. want it though originally? Was, was well, that. that's the other thing too. It's especially Star Trek. Abrams was, I think. <laughs> Don't quote me on this, but I think Abrams was that. second or third choice for director of Force Awakens. I think at one point they just went to Abrams and said, Come on, man, you did really good on Star Trek. Can you do it with Star Wars? And I think he finally just went, Yeah, I'll, you know what? I'll take a shot at it. Yeah, I think it wasn't. I think Howard at one point, like Ron Howard, I think, was tr- yep. wanted more heavily. Or maybe yeah. that was for Return of the Jedi. I maybe, but, went, but. Um, I, I just personally feel that if you had given Abrams the entire trilogy, you might have gotten something a little more consistent, I guess. Well, the, the, yeah, the, there's no really denying that. I think, like, if one person had overseen. That as director, if one person had been the Kevin Feige, he would have yeah. had a more consistent uh, thing. Back to Patrick's point, yeah, exactly. Well, um, actually, then again, George Lucas himself though, was never that consistent. Like, no, it's true, but that's no, it's, it's not. So. To, it's not to say that you can't have different directors for each movie. Obviously, the original trilogy was three different directors, but they very clearly had an overriding narrative going into each of those movies. They knew what they were doing to the point where you could go back to the last movie and be like, yeah, that, that lines up perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, whereas like this one, you're like, of... you're kind of, you're sometimes struggling to make those connections. Yeah. Cause like Lucas always had the idea of, okay, this is the father and son thing for the original trilogy. This is the decline. Whereas for this one, I think it was just like the whole Kylo Ren was kind of the, the arc that everything like lined up around. And yeah, it's hard to say whether if that changed at some point, cause I always kind of felt like they were going to end up having him redeemed in the end anyways. Yeah, I think that was. I think that was. I think the redemption was kind of set out from the beginning, but I'm not sure they necessarily knew how they were going to go about it step by step. Mm -hmm. I thought the actual arc of his redemption at the end of the film was brilliant. Oh, I did too. Yeah, like with Ray killing him in anger. But again, my issue is it just. I thought that was brilliant. It felt rushed to me at that point. Like I feel like that's something they could have explored a little bit more in Last Jedi. And again, maybe that was I agree with you there. That was kind of my point. And it's I, I do like Last Jedi more now than I did before. But that there was there was and for, for me anyway, and th- that that middle act, Act Two in the Last Jedi, was so drawn out for me. 
Oh, it just it, I, I thought ground that, to a I, halt. I, I, I felt that it did, um, especially the, the the cantina scene, the whole thing with the code breaker. Um, I think that that kind of that a lot of that art could have been better spent developing some of these things. Looking at the synopsis and everything, and then ultimately Kylo would have been or Ben Solo have been too far gone and would be extinguished, is how they put it. That's not a satisfying end to the whole nine movie thing. Not really, no. Like, um, That's the thing. I've watched a couple sort of breakdown videos of what Trevorrow's overall script and ideas were, and there are some elements that I find a little more interesting than what we got, but when I look at the overall story, I can 100% see why they didn't go with it, because it left a lot of unanswered questions at the end of the day. There's a lot of stuff, I think, in the first half that sounded good. And then the second half of him like being it extinguished. It just doesn't really like, pan out. Swishy-washy. Yeah. Compared to, like, okay, the first trilogy ends with Anakin falling. Anakin gets redeemed in the second one. Or does this one end off, like, just to, like, oh, this one just fades away. Yeah, but you also mm-hmm. feel like at least you can say Anakin's grandson was redeemed. And so you get that nice kind of bookend to yeah, the like, whole story. This one definitely had the closure. Like, yeah. Like, okay. after, we wa- after we watched it, my wife took me, well... That wrapped everything up nicely. And yeah, it does that. It's like a, the entire movie is trying to just wrap everything up nicely, and, that, and it does. And it does do justice to nine movies before it. Does it do justice to the trilogy itself? Of all the trilogies, this one was the most disconnected. Of all three trilogies. Mm. This one yeah, was the most disconnected from the others. You know what I mean? You can harp on the prequels all you want, but there's an overarching Oh yeah, story for that. sure. It was definitely a concise storyline. It yeah. was an act one, act two, act three. But, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I still am pretty satisfied. Now, what do you think is going to happen? Where do they go next? Oh, that's the big question, I think. Like, and I don't mean with the Skywalker story, because that's, at least for the time being, for the next foreseeable future, that's over. But, like, the used, they were talking about trilogies before, like uh, Benioff and Weiss and Ryan Johnson. And, like, do you think we're going to see that kind of stuff now? Benioff and Weiss are officially, that's officially been kiboshed. Uh, I haven't heard <laughs> anything about Ryan Johnson other Benioff than Benioff and Weiss trilogy go, a blah. Yeah. <laughs> That's Anybody got any ideas? Anybody at all? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, they're out. They haven't really said much about what's going to happen now. I, I think they're waiting uh, like at least a few months until like, this is out on video or something like that, and then they'll, they'll go from there. Because Celebration is late this year. It's in like, August, I think. Or yeah, that's at the end of August. Are we getting an Obi-Wan trailer at that point? Mm-hmm. Is Star Wars TV going to be the immediate future of the franchise because i mean so far it's going very well but it's the thing we know so well so far too but it is the well, mandalorian, mandalorian is pretty incredible on cassian like that's the yeah. next three things i'm happy to say i'm very excited by both of those projects yeah um especially from what i've seen from the mandalorian but yeah it's it's a good question patrick like as a franchise where where do you, where go, do you go from here if the reports are to be believed and i don't because this is just the easiest thing to guess uh they're going to head their head to the old republic I hope so. Yeah, it's it's a so. logical destination for sure. Of course, it's a huge destination too because that pretty much covers anything that happened before the prequels. But I feel so. like I feel like there's more credence to that argument now, especially given all the hints they've been dropping in the Mandalorian about what came before, and they haven't dropped anything specific, but they've been you know. Well, you can't go forward. They've basically given you a backstory on the Mandalorians at this point, just through character exposition, which lines up pretty closely with Legends. You've got the whole Tar Vizsla storyline that still needs to be explored. I think they do that on television or film. I believe Clone Wars comes out in the next two weeks. February 17th. How many episodes? 
eight, I want to say. That'll be cool to see. That? Yeah, but there's no trailer for that yet either, which is really annoying. Well, from, yeah. take this with a grain of salt, but from what I've heard, it is going to tie into The Mandalorian in some way. I kind of hope so. There's a lot of stuff I want to see I feel like it has to, with this. based on that finale. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty strong connection to me. That's like bringing out Darth Maul at the end of Solo. Which I thought was great. <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah. That was awesome. I think that's going to be one of those great what-ifs is... <sighs> Imagine what Solo 2 would have been like, or even Cal in the movie. For a moment there, I was going to say, like, do you think we're going to see the Purge in the Clone Wars? But no, that's, that's a different timeline. <laughs> purge will happen. No, and that's, yeah, that was the, the interesting thing is, it's like, they talk about this Purge, but it's like, they can't do it during the Clone Wars season, so when are they going to explore Are they going to do this in a, again, rumors coming out about, like, a Rebels successor yeah, I've heard rumors about that too. But again, that's an easy. Like the 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 news sites out there these days, so-called news sites, junk like Screen Rant. Oh, it's just, just throwing obvious darts at the wall. Like, okay, yeah. Rebels ended on a cliffhanger with with Sabine and Ahsoka and Ezra. That's an easy guess. Everyone loves it. The old the old, the old yeah. public. That's an easy guess. Yeah, open goal. There's a there's one website that I, I'm not going to name because they're horrible people, but they leak stuff all the time and like they're saying calling it the High Republic era, about 420 years before, so uh, that's one uh, big, uh, big hint right there about how credible you are. But yeah, the, some suggestions out there, leaks or what have you, that it'll be set 420 years or so before New Hope, and it might involve like a younger Yoda. Like, uh, no, keep going back. Keep digging. Yeah, no, that's not far enough. That yeah. was the sound of my eyes rolling. It should be <laughs> far pre-Yoda. <laughs> yeah, like Baby Yoda... Or baby Yoda, because he's not actually Yoda. That's that's fine. Explore Yoda's past through showing a, like a different example of the species. Sure, Do I that. think I think if you're gonna go pre everything that we've seen before, you need to go far enough back that there's no. I don't want to see like a oh this guy was the ancient descendant of Boba Fett. It's like no, I don't want to see that. I want to <laughs> see some new characters. It's, that is one thing I have to say that I really liked about the new trilogy is they weren't afraid to introduce new characters. They've taken the chance with some characters and they've nailed it. Like yeah, I, yeah. I love this trio as much as the originals. Like it's funny. I feel like Poe got the most development in this movie out of anybody. Like mm. he used to be a spice smuggler. That's actually kind of cool. Uh, yeah, it's a little Han Solo, but at the same time, yeah, but he was a little like, Han Solo. It's not the like he was. Yeah. It's not like he showed up and. You know, a uh, Corellian YT twenty six hundred and <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I texted Pat after I watched it again the other day, and I was, said, "I can't believe I didn't see that Finn idea more." It's all over the place. It's all over. The place. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, and I didn't either. Yeah. I didn't, I'm so glad you missed it too, because I was like, yeah, oh, I feel like an no. idiot. I missed it. <laughs> like, it's There's all like right five there. different references to it, and it's it's undeniable. Like when you see it the second time, Brandon, you caught it the first time, but yeah, yeah. that was the thing because we were driving home afterwards, and you're like, "So Finn," and I'm like. Force connection. It's like it. it I. It was staring me in the face the entire yeah. time. He's just like Leia, basically. In the <laughs> yeah. like he has that same empathic look on his yeah. face. Like absolutely. Now, yeah. sorry, not to go off topic. Yeah, yeah. Before I forget, though, I have to say my favorite scene of the entire movie was that Luke and Leia flashback with them training on mm. Endor. I thought that was incredibly well done. Yeah, really um, and and I liked how they wrapped yeah. up. I like how they tied up the idea of like and well, the green lightsaber. Yeah. If Leia's got all these force powers, then you know why isn't she using them? Well, they explain it. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you wait, yeah, you might find out. Yeah, 
Yeah, she. I, I last time I said that scene didn't look right to me in the theater. It looked better this time around. Maybe it was the three D. Looked better to me this time around. Uh, maybe it's because I heard they might have used Billy Lord for it. That makes sense. Like the that would have been a good stand-in kind of yeah. like what they did with Rogue One. I, okay, I have to say I was way less taken out of that scene than I was with Carrie Fisher in Rogue One. Um, Peter Cushing didn't. I didn't even bat an eye when he showed up on screen. I was like, that's phenomenal. But. Carrie Fisher stood out for me in the theaters and in subsequent viewings. It's still like it's a little bit of the uncanny valley. Can't look too closely at that. Yeah, for sure. the closer you look at it, the more but, scenes you see. La- but Rise of Skywalker, I was. I think it's the fact that they did it as a night scene and were able to kind of hide some of the details. The it was like yeah, that's yeah. really well done. That was a really smart move. I it's was definitely really they were wearing helmets while they were training for that. Part. Absolutely. Because yeah. yeah. how often do you see them wearing helmets sparring? Like, I gotta exactly. say, my favorite scene from the film was. Uh, I liked the the build up to this too. The build up has to they're they're starting to explore different force powers and different ways that the force can be. They've they they got Rey and Kylo's cross universe quantum connection going in the Last Jedi, and then in this one things start to fall into fall through dimensions. Like when he grabs the necklace off of her off of her yeah. chest, yeah. And when they're having their fight and they spill the red beans on the floor beads or whatever they were, and finally the way they use that at the end when Ray says she's going to kill the Emperor and she puts a saber behind her head and then just brings her empty hand out and then Kylo brings the blue saber down. That was my favorite scene in the film when they're looking at each other when they know what they're doing and she hands him the saber. He brings it down with the knights around. He gives them that look just like, let's go. <laughs> I just thought that was badass. I thought yeah, was, no, I, I would I thought agree that was with great. you. It was really yeah. good. He was um, pure Han Solo once he came back. Very satisfying. Like it was yeah. like every like all the all, all the signature things there, like the blaster over the shoulder, yeah, the shrug, like yeah. Can yeah, we just take absolutely. a moment? And can we just take a moment to appreciate the casting director who found Adam Driver because you'll never find a better mashup of Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher in your life. There was a there was a great picture actually before Force of Aliens even came out. Oh, the family, like, photo. The family photo. Yeah, that's, oh, that's one. God. <laughs> no, there's there's another one I'm thinking of. It had four squares, Harrison, Carrie on the left side. And Adam and Daisy on the other side, and like, I was like, okay, so she's a solo then. Like before Force Awakens came out, I was like, yeah, there's they're Jason and Jaina. Yeah, right. They have to be like they look so similar. But well, a lot of their, a lot of their their storylines were still pulled. It kind of, yeah, that's the thing. It almost feels like they were pulling a little bit of Jason and Jaina into that. I I, I felt that from the first time I saw Force Awakens. Yeah, it's the point where I where I thought she was like a long lost daughter or something until like the timelines made more sense were clarified. Yeah. But um, I just think they just yeah. picked a great actor in Adam Driver. Oh, they he's did. Fantastic. Yeah, he's the guy. Everything incredible. he's in, he's amazing. He's Juilliard trained well, actor. That's... He's got nominated for an Academy Award this year. He's the most like interesting he's... man in the world. He's, he's like a, a he's seal. A seal, yeah. He's fantastic. His TED talk is actually really, really interesting. If if you guys ever have the time, I recommend watch Adam Driver on becoming a Navy SEAL. Yeah, actually, see, I have seen that. It's yeah. a really interesting speech. I'm raising money now for artists in, yeah. or art in the army or something. Yeah. I've seen the dead. The Dead Don't Die? No, no. <laughs> Still on my with, list. With Bill Murray and Adam Driver as two cops in, a, in this town. It's, it's a zombie apocalypse, man. It is, it's it's a real art film. Yeah. But it is funny. It is yeah, really good. I want to check it out for sure. It is really, really good. It shows you the diversity that Adam Driver can bring to the screen. Like the different, the one extreme to another that the guy can go to. Yeah. you watch like um, a geeky, nerdy cop. Yeah. <laughs> To you know, a dark Jedi yeah. ruler of the ruler he's of the range. Oh, um, amazing range. Yeah. He's fabulous, and she's the same with Bill Murray. It's just he kills. 
we watched uh, Marriage Story, like the Netflix movie, which I wouldn't have watched without him in it. Mm-hmm. And it's so like a romantic comedy. No, not romantic comedy. It's more like, uh, well, the alternate title I would have given it was uh, "Divorced Lawyers Are the Worst People on Earth." Like, oh, it's like it's like it's a yeah, it's very raw and like a real life thing. And he again, oh, kills interesting, it. yeah. Um, like, like this one point where like the social workers coming to like view him and his kid in the same house, and like he's just trying so hard to get everything together, and like kid mentions he does a, this trick with a knife to impress him he's like kid don't, like, don't talk about that so then afterwards he goes and shows the trick to the woman cuts his hand like cuts his arm oh god and he's like he's like bleeding and like trying to like play it off for his kid and like flip the woman in there like that and it's just it sounds funnier than it actually is in context I it's just makes me want to check it out for sure and then um, also in uh, Becoming Lou and Davis like a movie with Oscar Isaac he has like a, he has like yeah, a big part in it he plays like a cowboy musician I've had a lot of and people sing this stupid song with Oscar Isaac and Justin Timberlake it's, I've seen that scene from it and Outer yeah. Space <laughs> have you guys seen uh, Black Klansman no I have not seen that one yet. highly recommended I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll watch anything with him um, at this point yeah no Driver it's a great movie but Driver uh, Driver really brings his A game I was it, listening sure. to Bill Burr's podcast a few weeks ago and it was an older episode it was from probably about four or five months ago and he was talking about him and his wife going out to a Broadway play and Burr's always said I hates Broadway he hates going out when doesn't like going out to plays and stuff but he said he went to the play and it was on it was on was it in New York or was it in LA I can't remember but it was a play uh, stage performance and Driver was in the play. Mm. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and Burr said he crushed it, like absolutely crushed it. Bill Burr, he, was, Burr, he never uh, thought he'd enjoy going into a play, and he yeah. said Al- Adam Driver just killed it. Yeah, yeah. him, Oscar Isaac, Daisy Ridley. I'll watch anything they're, that they're in now. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, I just watched Triple Frontier on Netflix. Um, that's got a lot of Star Wars alum in it. Yeah, it was a good movie. for that star-studded cast. I think. Oscar Isaac kind of stands out he's in good. that movie. I liked him um, in Ex Machina. I was going to mention. Oh him. yeah, that he was, was, he was great. As I well as um, Donald Gleason. Donald Gleason. Yeah, yeah, two totally different roles. That was a trip watching that after Force Awakens, like because they're on the opposite ends of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no the kidding. Right? Chart on that one. Fabulous movie. I think that wraps up our catching up to date with Brendan on Rise of Skywalker initially. So before we get into any other topics, why don't we pause for a break and a tune from the Cantina Band. Do you have a vision for a cosplay prop, novelty item, or other project, but don't know how to make it without breaking the bank? Nerdful Things has you covered. Ontario's 3D printing experts are committed to quality and affordability. They can forge everything from convention-friendly prop weapons, to masks and helmets, to small embellishments like belt buckles or pauldrons. You might even find a unique nerdy gift for friends. Check out their gallery and request a quote at www.nerdfulthings3d.com. All right, well, we're back. Um, I ran a poll on our Facebook page um, just to see what everyone thought of Rise of Skywalker, and Facebook would only let me do two options. Cowards. Uh, so <laughs> Cowards! <laughs> uh, so it was a straight up and down, thumbs up, thumbs down poll, and uh, 85% thumbs up. So Better than IMDb. Well, <laughs> yeah. let's not mention Rotten Tomatoes either. but uh, It's alternative facts. <laughs> she had a great uh, interesting comment here from uh, Taylor Carlson thanks Taylor I uh, enjoyed the film though I did feel like A. tried too hard to retcon things from Last Jedi and B. it should have been split into two movies as it tried for too daunting a task in too limited a time 
And that's something I've heard in a few different places, and I'm glad Taylor brought it up, because that's a good question, I think. Do you think this, they should have split this up? Like, what would you think if they split this into two and ended up with a ten-episode saga? I would say definitely not, because we're talking about movies that come in trilogies. I think that definitely, 100% not. I do understand where you're coming from, but again, my original critiques of The Last Jedi could have made that not necessary. I understand why somebody would say that, and I, I get why it probably would have been better. Would it, would you have a, more time to make a concise story? Yes. But then you don't have a trilogy. Mm. You know, you got four movies, and that's, that's not the way Star Wars works. Not the Skywalker story, anyway. But not, I do... Not I, until this point, because I think going forward they might get away from trilogies. And that's all. fine. That's fine. But this one was set up to be a trilogy from the beginning. This was episode 9, and I don't need episode 9.5. However it ended, you had to do it in one film. That's yeah. like definitely like the knee-jerk reaction too, really. Yeah. I, I, I had the same thought when someone when I first saw it. Like, no, we do trilogies with, with, with this part of the story. But then I thought, well, ten movies would be kind of cool too, because then you have like a bit of a coda at the end, like yeah. you got you're not you got, like you have your three trilogies and then you have like then you have the conclusion, right? Like yeah, I I would have been open to it, especially if they'd been able to do more justice to certain plots. I wouldn't have. Come, or, I wouldn't have. I still would have watched it. <laughs> I'm boycotting. No, yeah, I don't get my money. I think a lot of people would have happily gone out and paid for another ticket. But I think that argument just lends more credence to the argument that J.J. should have had the whole trilogy because he wouldn't have needed a tenth movie to wrap up everything. Mm -hmm. Um, This, I know you guys aren't big into uh, comics, but it really reminds me of what Grant Morrison has done with Batman for the past almost seven years where he's come up with a really concise story, but it got to the point where it became so convoluted that he actually had to release another story after he stopped writing just to explain everything that hmm. came before. And it's kind of like explaining a joke. If you got to explain it, it's probably not that funny. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, though, I mean, The Lord of the Rings wouldn't be as nearly as good as it is without its appendices. Yeah. You know? And good counter-argument. Th- there's a lot of meat in there. Would you have watched you know? a movie of Lord of the Rings appendices, though? I watched all the appendices. <laughs> Touche, sir. Would well, most people probably not? Yeah, I would. We're kind of getting them in the Amazon series, so no <laughs> kidding. One of the fantasy. No kidding. Looking forward to that one. Cast is out now. Maybe announced the cast. I didn't recognize. Oh, did they? Person on it, but oh. yeah, they announced the cast. I hope it's unknowns are good. Unknowns. Yeah, kind of like, like Wheel of Time, right? Like, be fine. Yeah, Wheel of Time, Wheel of Time is almost completely on. Other than Roseman Pike and. Um, I just thought that was very crazy. They're going to take Ruse Bolton to play Rand's dad. Mm. So they take the most... They, they, the director even stuck kind of sidebar here. The director actually said that he goes, I, I, I picked him because I took the most awful character from, <laughs> from Game of Thrones and specifically cast him to be the most wholesome, loving father that you could possibly imagine. So he takes Ruse Bolton and makes him Tam Althor. Well, it'll be nice. Thought to, it was, oh, I thought it was genius. It'll be nice to cheer for him for once as <laughs> yeah, opposed exactly. to waiting for him to die. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think I'm still doing the arithmetic of worst character on Game of Thrones. Like, uh, Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> You know what I mean? One of the well, Ramsey was yeah. worse, but there's you know a top I mean. five for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's up there for sure. But uh, one comment that I liked here from Aiden Hunter: uh, it was fun. Space wizards, magic, sound, and space. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah I, mean, no, from, I guess from a, yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, I mean you can't. That's the thing. At the end of the day, you can nitpick the story all you want, but you can't say you didn't have fun with that movie. That's what Star Wars. It is. had some great moments. Yeah, science uh, fantasy. It's a great yeah. reminder that we tend to overthink it a lot, right? Like. We're all guilty of it. Like, yep. We can't overthink it and put our own expectations on it. But at the, end, at the end of the day, George Lucas was making these for 12-year-olds. There's a big part of the audience is just walking in off the street going, hey, new Star Wars. Like, 
been a few years since I saw the last one, so let's watch first, let's watch this one. Like yeah. or for every one of the people who gets more into it like we do, there's five people who don't. <laughs> yeah. Still yeah. enjoy it. It's true. I mean, I took kind of a let's call it an informal poll at work over the last few weeks. And from a general audience perspective, I would say the uh, the reviews are pretty positive. Um, most people really enjoyed it. So I would say that as an end of the series, fairly successful. Mm-hmm. The, the, th- the main thing I've been getting to is like, oh, that was a lot of fun. There's a bit of an undercurrent of like, that was kind of out there a lot Yeah, of or like this then, part didn't make sense. Or Palpatine, huh? Like... Um, and I've actually talked to a few friends who were like, well, I thought it was really contrived at certain points and everything was just really convenient. And that's, there all, were, there was a lot of that. That's all fair for sure. Yeah, for sure. I definitely can't deny that things are convenient, but it's like, it's that Lucasfilm type of convenient. Like, oh, the dagger is the, is the guy on where I sure. want to go. Like, yeah. I love that part. That was really Indiana Jones for me. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but again, to a certain audience, that seems seems like, oh, contrived or just like convenient. It's all perspective, I guess. Yeah. Can I just say they really took away the consequences when they had this whole buildup of three PO, this idea that he was going to lose all his memories and he was going to be a blank yeah, state. Yeah, that was and then little... five minutes later. It's like, oh, I fixed them. It was like that's a little cheap. Yeah, it was, especially after the Chewie death and then bringing him right back. Someone needed to go. Yeah, I, I, I'll give you that one, Brendan. Big time. I thought. When they showed him with the red eyes and the trailer and stuff like that, saying one last look, I thought they were going to somehow mod him into some badass. Or... Oh, no, I thought they were going to mod him into some badass killer droid. Turn him into triple gonna, zero. You know well, I mean? Everyone thought this, too, because the, they put the, like, the, the bowcaster in his hands in the poster for some reason. Yeah. yeah, I was waiting for that old droids cover to I was come back. <laughs> like I thought that would have been great. I, I Again, I had full expectations he would get his memory back when he got back to R2. We were rewatching it. It's like, oh, R2's famously capable of backing up data and everything like that, and he just, <laughs> he just always does yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> the fifth time it's happened yeah. but I think that's that's another that's sort of another symptom of this entire trilogy is everybody watched these trailers months and months before the movie came out and they were like I know what's going to happen and it's like well maybe don't invest too much into that theory yeah. because you might be disappointed Your expectations it's like how much that. speculation was there after Force Awakens I, raise a Kenobi raise a Palpatine yeah. raise a Skywalker yeah. Raise an Antilles. I don't think anyone expected Luke to throw the, the lightsaber over his shoulder. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> it's a very Mark Hamill thing. Although it, it did wrap it up well when Ray goes to throw the lightsaber into the fire and he catches that it. Was, that was brilliant. That was the moment where I went, oh, that's Abrams giving Johnson the finger. <laughs> I, well, I liked the line. That's, you know, Jedi's weapon should be treated with more respect. I thought that was a cool line. I was waiting for the Obi Wan yeah. line. This weapon is your life. <laughs> <laughs> Anakin. Yeah, that, that scene read a bit differently for me the second time again, too. It was like, oh, I was wrong. It felt like it was like looking into the camera going, yes, trolls, I was wrong. Retcon. Like, I'm pretty sure that every time I watch it, I'm going to feel a bit differently about it. Like, it's yeah. one of those things. Like, you, you can take it on a, many levels. It's going to require a few more viewings before I'm fully settled on this movie. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's a movie I'm going to come to dislike anymore mm-hmm. down the road. I, I hate sh- to say it, but that was the case with, with Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. I wanted to like it, but subsequent viewings just got harder and harder to defend it mm-hmm. i'm on the opposite like i i throw it on for fun like while i'm cleaning the house like, I'm just watching that's fair like, oh yeah i didn't see that before like and that's the thing i'll never i'll never films. harp on, i'll never harp on anybody that enjoyed it because you know if we all liked the same thing we'd all be very boring yeah no I'm just... i enjoy it more now than i did before have you watched it again since yeah okay yeah. i did i did because I, I still have not a chance to watch the first two and into this one again. Yeah, I right. want to do a, a triple run now. 
Yeah, I think. Sit down and watch watch them all, all three in a row. That's a good idea, for yeah, sure. Back to back to back. Or even, like, the, throw the prequels and original in there, too, right? Like, it'll change the whole Yeah, we can officially do that now. Like, do it like a Star Wars marathon. Literally watch all nine. Get the coffee out. It's been, like, seven years since we could say that. Yeah. <laughs> since the purchase. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Absolutely. I'm in a camper. I'm just like, we're getting new Star Wars. Like, I... Happy with that. Like I we're, thought we were done in 2005. So. We're at a we're at a period right now where we should all be very excited about what's coming next for Star Wars. I think we're getting new Star Wars. This is the second yeah. time we thought we were going to get any new stuff. <laughs> That's the biggest takeaway: is just sit back and enjoy the ride. Like don't just enjoy it mindlessly either. But like, no, yeah, again, but yeah. well, if a Star Wars movie makes half a billion dollars, is considered a failure. They're going to keep making more. Yeah, that's a pretty good. Yeah. That's a pretty good feeling. That's a good yeah, fit for sure. Even like you look at something like Solo, it's they're like, all going to all that bombed. It's yeah. like it didn't bomb. It didn't bomb. If, if any science fiction film came out and made that much money, it's not a bomb. No, that's a successful film. It's just yeah. a it's, bomb by comparison to what came. That's before. just trolls. That's yeah. all that is. Yeah, it's, it's people comparing it to say every Star Wars movie has to be the greatest movie ever made. It doesn't work like that. Grandizing, putting on pedestals. Yeah, yeah for sure. <clears throat> this one has broken a billion now, and it's with, well within a month, like pretty good turnaround on a billion dollars. So yeah, yeah that's no doubt no. failure. Yeah, money, they're they're making a lot of money off of this. Okay, let's. How about we move on a little bit because we haven't had Brendan on the show in a long time. Let's get Brendan's take on the Mandalorian. Mm. Because you and I have talked about this a lot. <laughs> Brendan and I have talked about this a lot. And we haven't talked the conclusion in either, really. Yeah, exactly. So why don't we episodes. why don't we close the podcast with some discussion on The Mandalorian and maybe a few questions that we've had from fans. Sure. Brendan, what do you think? Where would you like me to start? Just overall opinion of the show to open with. Phenomenal. The best Star Wars that's ever warred. <laughs> um, I've no, I've in in all seriousness, I've thoroughly enjoyed The Mandalorian from start to finish. It's felt very refreshing. It's a very original take on the Star Wars universe while still feeling very, very familiar. I honestly have nothing but good things to say about it. I really don't have any criticisms at all. Felt very Rogue One to me, which is a good thing. Yeah. Like that vein, because Rogue One is. I mean, Chris, we have talked about what your favorite films are of all of them and stuff like that, and I've. I've, I've pulled back a little bit <laughs> on the new, on Rise of Swagger. I pulled back just a little bit, but it's still, it's way, way up there. But still, I, I now I'm really balancing of all the new ends, the new era of Star Wars. Rogue One, it's going to be hard to knock that off the pedestal for me. That, it, it, a lot of it had to do with that feel. Because what I said about Rogue One, it was like the prequel I always wanted. That was the vein that I wanted the prequels in. And Mandalorian really captured that real world, gritty, underworld, mm-hmm. um, no Jedi, no, well, I mean, we got no. Baby Yoda and stuff. Like that, but it's not Skywalker related. It's not centered on the Force. Yeah, exactly. And I thought it really grabbed that that real world espionage intrigue war, or at least the aftermath of war. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, Brandon, I thought that I I loved the set and setting. Yeah, for me, it's just it's the ultimate Western samurai tribute. It totally is. It's without without you know paying lip service or just you know, harping and biting on ideas. It's it's very clearly taken its influences to heart, but still managed to do something really original and entertaining with it. I would um, say that episode four kind of was like a little too on the nose with that. That's comparison. fair. That's fair. The one was four. That's the, the, village. the village one. The village, yeah. That, that, even I that, thought that was probably the weakest one for Even me. that, I feel, um, if you want to call that the weakest episode of the entire series, that's... For me, that's still a nine out of ten episode. It was still, it was pretty good. I don't know if I gave it a nine, but it was good. They were all good. Gave us Cara Dune. So they were all good. Yeah, the prisoner was my favorite. 
Yeah. Well, um, yeah. For, for, for the obvious reasons. <laughs> I know, I know. It wasn't Jeez. because of that. It was. It was the whole like the way it was shot. The that had a lot to do with it. I won't give it. <laughs> I'm not, not going to say that Bill Burr being in it. And I originally thought he would have some very tiny, like two minute scene, like a Brian Posehn. Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, yeah. To have him not only to, to even survive the episode, so he could come back later, I thought was really good. I thought that I thought he acted really well in it. Stop the point of that gun at me, Mando. <laughs> He's got his little shoulder gun. Well, considering he like. He's never done anything like this, right? No, and he doesn't like Star Wars. That's the beauty of it. Like, he does now. He said he's really enjoyed watching it, but he was never... He's made fun of it. That was the thing. Favreau and Vince Vaughn were the guys who basically had to talk. They're like, come on, man. Like, I think you'll really like this. And Bill just kind of went, yeah, all right, fine, I'll do it. Yeah, for sure. And And I said, Brian Posehn, again, he was really critical of prequels and stuff. He has a whole huge bit about how he's going to end up, like, ranting at it. Like, this is my Vietnam. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now he's on this. Well, Bert said on his own, I don't know, his podcast, Bert interview, he said, he goes, when Star Wars came out, he goes, I was just past... I wasn't into science fiction. He goes, that was over my Fast Times Ridgemont High days. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I was just a sports fan. I didn't, I didn't have any interest in any of that kind of stuff. But he said after doing it, he was really impressed with it. and He really, he really enjoyed mm. it. Warner Herzog said something very similar. Actually, um, I watched an interview with him a few weeks ago, and he said, you know, had no, he had no previous knowledge of it, and. Amazingly, Werner Herzog has never watched any Star Wars movies before. Like, you don't really need to, you, to. Yeah. But you know. at the same time, he said by the time he finished, he was halfway through filming, he had completely fallen in love with the world. That's cool. So thanks, Baby Yoda. Yeah, <laughs> that was a big influence, actually. <laughs> yeah, like it's that's a good point. Like we don't need everyone in it to be a huge fan. Like it's, no, it's nice to I have think a it's, good spread of people who are like. Totally ambivalent to it, and people who are like, "Yeah, I know every bit of lore. Let's do this." Well, like, I think it's wasn't health. a big sci-fi fan, and yeah. he's one of the no, most exactly. iconic characters in the history of the story. I think it's something that adds a connection to a more general audience when you don't have everybody that's involved with this is this passionate yeah. Star Wars fan. Like, as long as the showrunners are, <laughs> the creatives, yeah, it definitely helps. Tony Gilroy, who fixed up Row One the reshoots and exactly and i think having no interest in star wars yeah i think having someone who has that objective viewpoint who isn't going to look at it through you know rose-colored lenses necessarily is going to be able to say you know maybe we should change this i mean marcia lucas is she was the original george lucas came out with a new hope and marcia lucas went yeah we got to change some stuff <laughs> and her not being around later on it shows yeah Big time. I think my least favorite episode was probably sadly the one with um, with Ming-Na in it. I think episode f- f- five or six. Oh, the Tatooine episode. Yeah, rookie bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that like, would that would be my weakest episode. She I would was say. wasted. I was joking about it when he was on the show, like how they how, how they did Ming-Na dirty. Like it's such a waste of her. They gave her, yeah. they gave her one great fight scene, which was great. Yeah, that's but, a, and then like just, ten lines of dialogue, and that's it. And that kid goes over on her, like no, no, yeah. like sit back down. And it was just, yeah, it felt a bit controlled. That episode, I think, was a little too on the nose with, like, hey, we're going back to Tatooine, and check out the docking bay. Hey, we're going to the same cantina. It's like, okay, like, just take it easy. That being said, cool to see it removed. Cool to see, but I didn't need the bounty hunter sitting in the exact seat that Han Solo was sitting in. Don't you sit in his chair. (laughs) Get out of his chair. Yeah. Harder, though, I think, to, to pick one best episode. Well, you got your vote, but yeah. for me, it's episode three when he finally escapes Navarro with the baby, and the Mandalorians actually come to help him out. I think that whole episode really ties together quite well. Yeah, and I, the fact that you see the consequences of that in the finale with mm-hmm. the Mandalorian 
Covent being essentially wiped out. When they already were on dregs. Right? Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, exactly. Like, that scene genuinely surprised me because it was like, oh, they're all still going to be hiding down there and they're going to get help. And but it makes perfect Oh, sense. crap. Everybody's dead. Yeah. That's for some kind of retaliation. Yeah. yeah. Oh, can I also say Giancarlo Esposito? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's nice it. to have Gus Frings in the <laughs> Star Wars universe. So that was cool with the Darksaber. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just his speech at the beginning. Yeah. He's like, this is an E Web blaster. Well, it was just he like. He calls them all up by name. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, it's like I know each and every one of you. In ways that I should not be able to. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It's for that same kind of reason that I really liked uh, Boone Jr. in. Oh, in, in uh, the prisoner. That up, yeah. It's like you can almost see the director saying, "All right, remember the character you played in Sons of Anarchy? You're the same guy. Yeah. You're just in another universe. You're that guy in space." And it, yeah. it, it, but it was perfect. You don't have to wear the Elvis costume. It was though. perfect. Like, it was just an such outlaw. small bits too. Like you just can get, a, you can get away with that. Yeah. Like, well, and yeah, you're right. Like character. Yes. Yeah, it's, really. like it's a one and done character, and 100. You need to hit that note. But it was nice because you still got you got a little more background on the Mandalorian too. Yeah, like, yeah, we used to run together. Yeah, and this is a guy who he's probably the only character in the entire series who was not intimidated at all by the Mandalorian. And he wasn't, well, not until yeah. the end. Until he but it, that, that was great. Like learned. when he's like, <laughs> when he's like, yeah, we need your ship. He's like, ship's not part of the deal. He's like, what's that luck I see? Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Gratitude. Like, you work for me now. Yeah, my problem with that was that I think was that it's like, why are you going along with this, man? Like, it's such a uh, such an obvious bad deal. You just walk like there's a lot of points in the series like you're so naive. Yeah, like, but I think they did it at that point because he was so desperate. Like, yeah, he had you know he'd cut himself off from the guild. He was constantly being hunted, and yeah, it comes to the point where eventually you need some money. But it's just the same time. You know, this is the third time you left the kid behind, and something bad's happened. And like. It's my one criticism. Like, you're a bad father, man. Like <laughs> It is Star Wars, though. That is true. You have to have a certain amount of naivety. Just because he's 50 years old doesn't mean he can babysit himself. He goes to Toshi Station, doesn't get the power converters. How naive. <laughs> what are you doing, man? To come back to what we were talking about earlier with the possibilities for the, for the Republic through Mandalorian, it's a great backdoor pilot potential. Like To, to yeah. mention Revan and the whole war or that predates Knights of the, of the Old Republic where Revan was a Jedi Knight who was fighting the Mandalorians and like crushed them. He did like a huge dishonor to them. Well, not huge dishonor. He crushed them morally. Um, oh, yeah. No, he steamrolled them for sure. Yeah. like You can tell that story through the Mandalorian. Yeah. Like, there's potential there to plant that seed for the live action movies because everyone loves this show now yeah um it's, it's immensely successful like you have yeah, a lot of eyes on it the more you mention it that would be a really good sort of backdoor drop in for for revan i was, I was thinking all the way through the armor scene in uh, episode eight like oh yeah she talks about like the sorcerers that they used to fight like, yeah get into revan mention revan mention revan yeah, <laughs> no kidding everything. right yeah, like this great scourge that well, that's the bane of our bane of our people. Mm. I was Allie was asking me about it when she was watching Mandalorian because she doesn't know a lot of the background of Star Wars, and she was like, "What is it with the Mandalorians with all their like gadgets and stuff like that?" And I said, "It's because one of their original dictates was fighting Jedi, mm-hmm. so a lot of those gadgets that they have would mimic force powers, yeah. like the little grappling hook that would swing out and pull things back to you, jetpacks, so you could it was a way you know, to get them on the high. same level. Exactly, like they were they were kind of um, field levelers." Like leveling yeah. the playing field yeah. for yeah. fighting Jedi. Both as mimicry and countermeasures. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I'd, I'd love to see them get into that. And again, with the dark side coming up, they're right there. It feels there like it, it feels like a pretty organic connection to me. I don't want to say it's definitely going to happen, but I have a good feeling about this. <laughs> uh, I have one question from my friend John, which is kind of funny. 
So I asked my friend John, an old friend of mine that uh, used to play the Star Wars RPG with years mm. ago, and I said, do you have any questions? And this is just John's sense of humor, and he just threw one at me. Question one, are Baby Yoda and Anakin both products of some sort of dark Imperial or Sith experiments where they were infused with midi, with midi-chlorians in utero? I refuse to spell the word midi-chlorians properly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the John I know. So the core of the question is... Palpatine make Baby Yoda. As yeah. Well. What, now, what I, the answer that I sent to John, it's a good question, because I said, uh, I'll read it exactly as it's written, LOL. The Darth Plagueis novel, although not canon, suggests that very point. Whereas Darth Plagueis and the Emperor were doing these dark Sith experiments to try and pull some awakening, if you will, out of the Force. And it's suggested in that novel that that's indeed where Anakin came from, that it was a Sith experiment that created this person of prophecy. I don't know about the baby Yoda, but I mean, it, that, that kind of thing's been hinted at before. It's I think he's probably, John, if you're uh, like to, if you're listening, and my answer to that, I'd probably lean toward baby Yoda being a clone. Hopefully not necessarily a clone of Yoda. Yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? My take on baby Yoda from the beginning has been that the Empire was aware that others of Yoda's species could potentially exist, and... I think maybe there was a program out there that was designed to find the most, the or sorry, I should say, to seek out the strongest Force-sensitive beings in the galaxy. And someone in some far corner of the Outer Rim discovered this creature, and the Empire has been alerted to it. But where did it come from? Like, is is there a whole planet of them, or is like? I think that's something that could be explored yeah. in further seasons of the Mandalorian. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, I. Th- in my my theory is that this is a, a natural creature and that the Empire wants it for the purposes of cloning it or reproducing it. Yeah. Um, I just, the idea that it's already a clone, that just adds a lot of backstory that you gotta, you gotta explain as to, well, how did they get it? Are there other clones? Is it on Kamino? Does it go back to the Clone Wars? It's 50 years old, so it's it ties a- into... Before the original prequel era, yeah, so that's like, all what is it? Phantom Menace, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. I feel like you'd be almost writing yourself into a corner if it was a clone. Yeah, because like, were they, were they cloning Yoda's complicated rare species before they were cloning humans? And okay, as a like... side note, I grew up in the Spider-Man clone saga era. Yes. I can tell you that never ends well. Yes, <laughs> poor Ben Riley. <laughs> poor everybody. <laughs> Or me for not knowing any better at the time. <laughs> you and me both, pal. <laughs> yeah, actually, and again, for as far as Anakin's concerned, like you mentioned the comics, and again, I mentioned this on the show before, but like, you've been playing with it recently through Charles Soule's second Darth Vader series. It's become so damn conv- convoluted with Darth Vader comic because there's now three series under that name. Yeah. Um, but in Charles Soule's run, like about a, from about a year ago, we were talking about this. Like they again imply heavily that Palpatine somehow arranged that with Shmi. Oh, like, they pretty much state it as fact but in like, that final epi- in that final uh, issue. Yeah, but it's still kind of open to interpretation. So it's like it is again. Please still sure. confirm. I don't need that confirmed. <laughs> like I like I just like I don't need to see where Baby Yoda was or actual Yoda was born. I don't need to know that for sure. Like yeah, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Like I feel the same way about Yoda's backstory as I did 20 years ago. I don't want to know. Yeah. I like I like having some mysteries in my stories. Um, it's like I didn't want to know Wolverine's origin. The origin they came up with was cool. Weapon X was cool. It always Weapon X was cool, but I didn't need to know where he was born and and 
how he got... I'd rather just leave it a mystery. Yeah, there are times where you need to leave the curtain closed. Yeah. Because, like, even, even in Plagueis, they don't exactly say Anakin was made. They said they no, made it's the it's quiet. And it's beautifully done. Yeah, it's a great sure. book. Yeah. I think that's why Plagueis, the novel, has um, kind of stuck around in everybody's conscience, considering it's now deleted. Yeah, John, if you're, deleted if you're listening, check that out. Um, check out the... It's not canon, but it's worth reading. You know, read Plagueis. It's a great book. It's also and not it, not canon. Th- this is true. This <laughs> not is true. true. Yeah, I no, you're right. Thought, I originally thought that that's indeed who Snoke was. I oh, was. I, I, th- I thought they Snoke were leaning was, so heavily. I thought into Snoke that. Yeah. was going to be Darth Plagueis. With a little twist on it, for sure. I didn't think they'd pull it directly from the book, but I, th- I thought it would have been a great avenue. Yeah, I think yeah. that would have tied. It would have made a lot more sense with the Emperor coming back if that was Plagueis. Yes, so, it. I would have taken Plagueis over a vat full of Snoke clones. Yeah, hundred percent. Plus the one thing we do know about Palpatine coming back, which is not that we know anything at all, but he says the same line that he says about Plagueis. He got that. He started the whole movie with the line from Episode Three. It's like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like they could have made a much stronger Plagueis connection there. Yeah, yeah. When he basically just says, how, how, how am I alive again? Plagueis wasn't a master. Just leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe Snoke was a clone of Plagueis. Maybe that's how the Emperor created him. Because he had the wounds of Plagueis. Good now, they point. might get into that in the Rise Good of Power Band comic book actually. series. Or maybe the novelization. Maybe I really look forward to the novelization of this now, book. Yeah, sorry, this, this is the movie. other thing. Pat, you and I were talking about the novelization after the movie. Um, from what I've heard, script-wise, there was at least another 40 minutes of story that was supposed to go into I that I easily movie. believe that. Good, let's let's read it. So, yeah, hopefully we do get that in the, uh, in the novelization. And like we were kind of talking, all of us, about how it felt a little rushed and things felt a little shoehorned in this film and I felt like it was it was good but the pacing was off or whatever. I think a lot of that could be ironed out nicely in a book. Mm-hmm. They, a they, lot of it. They've done that with the last two movies. Yeah, like, for sure. Well, especially for, the, for this yeah. whole Disney era, the books have really done a good job of smoothing things out yeah. and getting things in. Like, you need to read the last Jedi novelization because they did a lot of that too. Yeah. Well, it's funny you guys say that because even going back to the prequel trilogy um if you read the episode three novelization versus the movie it's a completely different story people and it is a don't get me wrong i like episode three i thought it was a pretty solid movie but the book just wow like the book just adds so many more layers to the fall of anakin skywalker well so much of the movie is a book too right because like my main the main reason why I don't rank it higher as something that I enjoy as a Star Wars movie is that so much of it is walking down a hallway, it's all CG, or having some exposition. Cut to the next scene. Different hallway, different characters, more exposition. More exposition. Like, it's just the same thing for half the movie. Like, yeah. It's a book, but they made it a movie. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that's one thing I, I, I do need to read that because people really highly, highly recommended. Um, so much completely like changed my perspective on episode three i think it's the third episode where i mentioned it the rise of the fall uh, the rise of kylo ren is a comic series like it's gonna answer a lot of yeah questions. i have no, that i definitely need to read it once that it's done. without getting into any spoilers i have read the first issue and pretty good so far read i've read this, the second one gets deeper into it too does so, it yeah nice i was in the store and they were all sold out so I was like, that's a good sign I guess. yeah definitely <laughs> yeah i did have one last question i want to close with sure a uh, bit of a cross franchise thing but uh, we had three big conclusions last year in terms of movies and TV shows endings. We had the uh, first part of the MCU, we had Star Wars, and we had Game of Thrones. How would you rank Endgame, Rise of Skywalker, and Game of Thrones Season 8? 
in terms well, of conclusions. Game of Thrones at the bottom for sure. <laughs> I, I only uh, threw it in as a joke. No, that's I fine. I, I know exactly. What that's actually a good us. question um, because I have issues with both. You know, I didn't think the Lorise Skylocker was perfect, but I thought it was like conclusion meaning in, um, like Endgame. Yeah, like Endgame. End I'd probably go Rise of Skywalker at the top, Endgame number two. I had more issues with Endgame than I had with Rise of Skywalker. I liked um, Infinity War more than I liked Endgame, but there was it's Endgame was still really good. Um, I thought it got a little, just like Rise of Skywalker did a little bit. I think it got a little over the top at the end, um, but it's comic book. And that's how comic books conclude those massive stories. So um, I can't hold it against them. Uh, I'll probably go Rise of Skywalker, Endgame, and then Game of Thrones way down the list. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, Game of Thrones is, was, in my opinion, had the potential to be the greatest television series of all time, but it blew it in the last year. First few seasons. Yeah, definitely had that. Yeah, yeah for sure. You, um, I would pretty much agree. Um, I had my issues with Rise of Skywalker, but I also had my issues with Endgame. Um, I agree, Infinity War had much more of an emotional impact on me than Endgame did. But yeah, you're right. It's a comic book. You got to have those giant three page splash panels. At For the sure, end. that's true. Um, Game of Thrones. Uh, it's it's like that crossing the bridge scene in Monty Python. They got to the third question, he completely screwed up and flew <laughs> no, off in the no. middle of nowhere. Yeah. It was like, I don't know what happened there, but <laughs> no, I just, I kind of feel like Game of Thrones as a series, I'll probably go back and read the books again, but TV wise, I don't know if I'll They're ever not go even back done watch, yet. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever go back and watch another episode of that series ever again. It's hard. What about you, Chris? Yeah, Game of Thrones definitely was the worst ending of the three of them. There's no, I don't think that's even contestable really like, and I'm someone who was, who was pretty optimistic about that season overall until the very end but it all kind of fell apart in the last episode like even by that point I was like okay yeah, even I can't defend this burning ship like yeah. <laughs> it's gone too far like it's just I don't know um, so yeah definitely rank that third I think I put Endgame as uh, higher up though like I, I think I put that as the most enjoyable conclusion of, of the year in terms of these big franchises because both of them really bring in this big new element, right? That hasn't been there before. Like, Palpatine coming back versus the whole time travel thing. Yeah. But I feel like that, with a few exceptions, because the, the former part was still just bad, um, just like that overall was a more satisfying conclusion of 10 plus years yeah. of, of movies. Like, that all, it felt more satisfying to me. Or, uh, not satisfying, they were both, that, that was my main reaction to Rise of Skywalker was satisfying. But I, I feel like it was... They did better justice to the whole the whole of the MCU than Rise of Skywalker did to the whole of Again, we're coming back to having a showrunner. I agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah. Because it was all planned from the very beginning. Yeah, everything was tied up not conveniently but nicely when it came to Endgame. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Plus the difference of runtime too. Like they weren't afraid to give Endgame a three hour runtime. Nope. Rise of Skywalker could have used those forty minutes. Big time. See, and I think that's the other thing, too, is that Marvel was looking at it and going, they'll sit there for three and a half hours and watch this movie. Yeah. It could be Tony Stark reading the phone book. They'll sit there and watch it for three hours. I think the Star Wars execs didn't have the confidence that people were, you know, Last Jedi was a big eye-opener for Disney. It yeah. was that, that was the movie that made them go, they're not just going to eat whatever we feed them. Yeah, it needs to be more catered to the popcorn crowd than, you know, the cinema crowd. Yeah. Right? Like, 
yeah, they definitely learned a lesson on that one for sure. I'd say, as a big supporter of the Last Jedi, it's definitely was a course correction thing for them. Mm-hmm. It was a bit too insular, and would have been a great episode of The Mandalorian. Like that sure. insular focus, that would have been would have been great TV. Yeah, um, but yeah, they definitely lost with the popcorn people. Yeah, it's hard to do that when it's your tent pole. So yeah, end game over. Right, end game first as conclusions go, and Rise of Skywalker and Game of Thrones where it belongs. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's uh, gonna do it for us for now. Thanks for joining us again, Brennan. Thanks, Thanks for having me again, guys. It was good to be back. Absolutely. Hopefully it won't take as long for the next episode again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be back soon, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll have more to discuss. Well, it's, uh, it's time to sign off. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it and tell a friend. Our network of Star Wars shows is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else podcasts are free, with new episodes every third Friday. Don't forget to subscribe on your service of choice so you never miss a new discussion. And please consider supporting us on Patreon to help shape the show and access bonus content. Got a question or comment on today's episode or anything else in the Star Wars universe? Drop us a line on Twitter at Kyber Club or on Facebook and Instagram at Quarter Portion Podcast. Your opinions and questions are worth 60 portions to us. Ask a question and we'll gladly answer it on the show. You can find me on Twitter at Django Fletch on YouTube at Wilderness Wisdom. And I'm on Twitter at Hukathy. Until the next time, may you be one with the Force. And may the Force be with you. This has been a production of the Quarter Portion Podcast Network.